And welcome back to Run Up the Score. Ben Bachman and Bo Mollett. I'm Bo Mollett. That's Ben Bachman. We had wild card. Not. Oh, I'm sorry. We had super wild card weekend in the NFL this past week. Three football games on Saturday. Three football games on Sunday. Bo was four and two. Picking the spreads, so feeling real good about that. And, uh, yeah, I mean, let's just get right into it. We got the divisional coming up this week. Let me, let me, let me give a quick tease for the show. So, here's what, here's what we're doing today we are examining the wild card games. We will give you a couple headlines that have happened, uh, over the course of the past week, and then we will look ahead to the divisional round and see what's going to happen. So, now, we always start with the Colts game here. So, the Colts did play Wild Card Weekend. They played the Buffalo Bills in Buffalo. So, that is where we will start today. Ben, give me your inevitably wrong thoughts on the game on Saturday. The first game of Super Wild Card Weekend. So you want me to give you my wrong thoughts? Are you just assuming that I give you what I think is right, or do you want me to intentionally give what I thought was wrong? No, give me what you think is right, even though it will be wrong. All right, all right. Um, honestly, I the Colts really showed up to play. I mean, I, I got to say, I was a little bit shocked by the way the Colts played. I thought they played pretty well regardless of the loss. Uh, I think of all the teams that lost – if that was the only game I'd saw of each of the um, each of the teams that played, I would have thought the Colts were probably the best team that lost because just of how the other teams played and what and whatnot. Washington actually played a pretty good game, but other than that, the losing teams didn't play, play particularly well. But um, I don't know. Like the thing is, I don't think the the, the difference between the Colts and the Bills is the Colts didn't really do anything special. They, they, I think they were great in, or I think they were good in all phases of the game, but they weren't great at any of the phases. And so it really hurt them. Um, I don't want to put any particular blame on the, on one, on one particular player or one particular decision. Cause I think there are multiple things we could look back on and say, Oh, well that's where that team, that side of the ball made the mistake. That's where that side of the ball made a mistake. That's where the coaching made a mistake. Cause I, you could, you could pinpoint each and every spot on the offense, defense, special teams. Well, actually, I think, yeah, special teams and then coaching. I think they all played a little bit of a part and it's the reason why the Colts didn't win, but I think overall they actually played pretty well. Um, but it just didn't fall their way. I mean, it's a three score game and had a chance there at the end. Um, but yeah, why we didn't have Brissett throwing that Hail Mary is kind of beyond me. Um, but, I mean, I can get into all the nitty-gritty mistakes, but just the overall reaction, I don't think the Colts played bad at any phase, but they didn't play great, and I think that's what the difference was. Yeah, so I was right. So, um, Ben – I I don't know if I necessarily agree with you there. I think I think the defense played very well. 
Now I will I will say the defense probably had the most improvement from the last three weeks to this week. I, I, I was very that, impressed. Because here's the thing. If if you would have if it was Saturday morning, game hasn't started yet, and you said, Hey, Buffalo gets twenty seven today, I would have taken it. Because yeah. because that is the way Buffalo was playing. I could have easily seen it getting ugly mm-hmm. um, with the way their offense have been going. And to hold them to 27, I felt very good about that. The offense, I thought, played well. Um, aside from the last, you know, three minutes when it matters and we have Phillip Rivers. That's, that's, there's that. Um, Blankenship missing a field goal from 33 yards is incredibly frustrating. Mm-hmm. Um, just because that should be uh, 33 yards, man. You get here's here's the thing. The I'm I've I've kind of overcorrected. Um, I think because I, I I think I used to have a very cynical attitude towards. Um, you know, uh, athletes and such, holding them to too high a standard. And then I think I swung too far the other way. I'm starting to come back because here's the the bottom line. Um, yeah, everybody misses field goals and whatnot, you know, um, except it's a 33-yarder and you're paying millions of dollars to just do that. So it's – it's a it's a tough one there for me. Um, the uh, the coaching, I I think a seventy five eighty percent of this loss I can put on Frank Wright because the coaching decisions like here's here's where I'll agree with you. I think the Colts did play very well. Where I'll disagree with you is that they played good in every aspect. They played good in every aspect outside of the three to four plays or three to four moments in every football game. Like every single one of those moments went against the Colts. And some of that was self-inflicted. Like there's three or four moments in every game that decide the game and the Colts didn't capitalize in any of those moments. Um the third, the third and goal where we pitch it instead of just running it behind Nelson, I don't understand. Um, second of all, uh, fourth and goal, if you run it behind Nelson the first time, you probably can just run it behind Nelson again, and you're probably getting in one of the two times. Um, the uh, the pitch I don't get on third and goal at the one. Um and then if you lose yardage there, I don't get going for it. Like the, they lost a few yards. I don't get going for it when you got four yards to get. Um, I understand Buffalo and everything, but at that point in the game, I'm willing to just take the points and see, you know, what happens after that. Not Because not, I feel like, you know, we go for it, we don't get it, and then they put together a 96-yard drive which also included an interception in the end zone that we dropped. Um, And it completely flipped the whole momentum of the game. I mean, I think that the game was essentially lost there at the end of the second quarter. Um, When, when looking back, like the, the tide turned and yes, we were still in it, but that was a huge, I mean, we go from being up 13 to seven um, 
or 17 to 7, whichever way you want to look at it. So now we're down 14 10 going into half. Um, and so the timeouts in the second half, I that was awful. The first timeout, the first timeout was terrible. It was a waste of a timeout. The second timeout that we got on a challenge that never should have been challenged because it was so clearly the, called correctly. Um, and then that left us at the end of the game with one timeout. There's no way to go use the middle of the field. And then Rivers is just throwing balls out of bounds. I don't – like I, – I put a lot of this on Frank Reich. And honestly, I saw it came out um, shortly after. You know, everyone's asking Frank Reich this and that. But um, – it came out that Reich said that he would like Phillip Rivers to be his starting quarterback next year. And at that point, I start going, if that's really the case, I might be in the market for a new head coach. Oh, ouch. I just – I just there's there's been a lot of games with a lot of questionable decisions by Frank Reich, and the and and if he truly would like Philip Rivers back as his starter without looking at anything else, that that's gonna do it for me. Well, again, I've always you know I, I think you're being too hard on Philip Rivers. Philip Rivers had a good game. I didn't say okay. anything bad about Philip Rivers in that whole thing. Uh, oh, you're saying I could have made fun right? of the. I could have made fun of his weak little arm that couldn't get the ball to the end zone. I could have. I you know I could have made fun of the way every time he plays he looks like an old rickety old man. I didn't say any I'm of just, that. I'm just saying he had a good game. He had a decent year, um, but. But that's as good as it, it gets, Ben. It doesn't get any better. I mean, here, in all likelihood, saying. it gets worse because he's older. Here's what, here's what, here's what I'll say. You know, aside from the Philip Rivers, uh, uh, aside from Philip Rivers, I thought Frank Wright did a good. The reason why I say each aspect, you know, of the game can be pointed at. You know, I could point at you. I could point at you. I could point at you on different reasons why we lost. You're right. Those are probably reasons why I would point at Frank Wright and saying, this is why we lost. Um, I, the questionable decision was the third down pitch. I don't have a problem going for it on fourth and goal. You know, it, it's, it's what I'm used to. I just Frank Wright pro- has established the culture. Yeah. I just have a problem yeah, my with problem is- after losing yards on third down. Like if it's fourth and one, go ahead. I don't care. But if you do a pitch on third down to essentially – and you lose three yards, and now you have to get four yards. I take the points at that point. Like, I, I get what you're saying, and that's honestly just – it's kind of just a judgment call. I don't – you know, the play was there. It just didn't get executed. I don't blame him. I, I blame him on the outside was, pitch. I don't think that was a good call. Well, so uh, just a quick question. Who executes that fourth down play? Or are you trying to really throw me under the bus? Uh, no, no, I'm, no, I'm not throwing you under the bus. I'm throwing okay, someone no. else under the bus. But you're trying to make me look bad by doing it. <laughs> okay, well, 
what happened on that fourth down play, if you want to take a look at it, uh, I'm sure you can find it on the internet somewhere. Uh, Phillip Rivers did get under pressure and he did throw uh, over slightly overthrow his receiver. Um, so it just wasn't executed well. The offensive line could have given more time to Rivers. Rivers could have had a better throw. I mean, look. I've seen Rivers okay. miss receivers all year long. It doesn't matter if was saying, that was offensive it. line or not. Uh, that, that wasn't Rivers' worst throw of the game, okay? You know, I, <laughs> I know. Trust I was me. Just, I was that just Hail Mary could be argued as the worst throw of the year <laughs> by anybody. I mean, not every quarterback can throw a Hail Mary. That's why I said earlier in the show, why did we not have Brissett throwing the Hail Mary? I mean, even when we had Andrew Luck, we would put it Brissett to throw the Hail Mary. Yeah, but also why did why was Brissett not ever in on short yardage like he had been the entire season? He had, The whole season, he'd been effective in short yardage. He came in one time, it didn't work, and they never went back to it. I don't know. I, I can't answer that for you. But going back to me, my original point with uh, Frank Wright, uh, I thought he put together a phenomenal game plan. You could tell that the Colts went came into this game and they were absolutely prepared. So that I have to give Frank Wright props and credit for being able to come up with a game plan to compete against the Buffalo Bills. You know, that's stuff that, you know, it's not the game managing aspect of coaching, but it is the preparation of coaching. And so I think Frank Wright did a good job of that. I don't disagree with the fourth down call. I don't disagree with going for two. Uh, um, I disagree with the timeouts and I disagree with the outside pitch on third down. And I disagree with having Philip Rivers throw the Hail Mary. But outside of that, yeah, I, mean, I didn't. That's, I think that's more of what I'm going the game management aspect, I think, is something that Wright isn't great at yeah and that's why i kind of want to give like frank Wright not a like not a free pass but just you know saying he came in with a good game plan they knew what they wanted to do they were able to execute it i'm sorry is it possible that you overestimate the buffalo bills honestly a little bit because that team because that team didn't look that much different than the team i'd seen before it just was playing a good team Like, I will say this: like the Buffalo second, the the Buffalo defense could not get pressure on Phil Rivers. Granted, the Colts have a good offensive line, but they just couldn't get pressure. Uh, Phil Rivers had a good game against the Bills defense, so it tells me the Bills defense, though Rivers has had good games before. I mean, it tells me they're not a fantastic defense because a good defense probably would have made Phil Rivers look bad and ugly in that situation which is what I was kind of halfway expecting. Heck, the Jacksonville defense can make Phillip Rivers mm-hmm. look bad. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, oh, let's see. I thought Josh Allen played a phenomenal game. That That's what I'll say. Uh, I think it, I think that – see, that I think changes if our defender is able to catch a ball and we're able to hop on a fumble at the end. I mean, yeah, but Josh Allen still threw for over 300 yards, led the team in rushing, and uh, had three total touchdowns. I mean, he still had a good game. Now, granted, was it absolutely stupid to fumble it in that situation? Yes. Uh, But, I mean, he's kind of a gunslinger. There's going to be interceptions when you're kind of a gunslinger. I mean, it's just just what happens. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, Phil Rivers is the same style, although he – can't really get the ball down the field like he used to. No. 
but yeah, but you know, that's where I, that's where I would point at the defense and saying, you know, you guys played a good game, but there were spots where you guys could have played better. And Muhammad was literally standing over the ball and the ball got away from him. I mean, if we recover that fumble, we give, we save a timeout and we, um, get the ball in good field position and with even more time for Phil Rivers to get the job done. Mm-hmm. And then offensively, uh, Philip Rivers missed uh, Pittman on a horrific pass. It was like a yard behind him. Um, we kind of sluggish, slowed down there after we had 10 points. We kind of slowed down there a lot and allowed Buffalo to go up like, what was it, 27 to 24 10, 27 10, something around, around those lines? 20, I think 24 10. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to say they didn't play a bad game because the Colts offense was able to get them back in it. So, Again, I think Colts played really good and special teams. You know, we look at the blanket chip missed field goal. That's where I would say, okay, that's where you guys cost us game. But at the same time, it wasn't until like the second quarter where the Bills didn't have a single possession outside of the 15 yard line or a starting field position outside of the 15 yard line. The kickoff coverage was amazing and punt coverage was amazing and all sorts of stuff. So it was a good team effort. It just, it wasn't good enough and just came up short. Yeah. I don't know. I felt, I felt more as I watched the game and I know Bill's fans don't want to hear this because I've already talked to one and I know, but the um, watching that game, I felt like the Colts lost it more than the bills won it. I felt like, I felt like the Colts dominated Buffalo in a lot of aspects and missed the three or four opportunities to capitalize. And then that's why they lost the game. Mm. Here's, here's what I'll say. I'd say the bills had won it, but the bills almost lost it. Like that's, that's like the, like if the the Colts would have come back and win, the bills would have lost the game as opposed to the Colts winning. That's how I would have seen it, but the bills were able to hold on. See, that's what I saw it more like the Colts won it, but the coaching decisions and the missed field goals and the missed opportunities are the reason the Colts lost. More more so than Buffalo. Just because just because I expect Buffalo to be able to put up 27 at least. So mm-hmm. I did, so that wasn't like that 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 was like the bare minimum I expect out of Buffalo is for them to be able to put up 27 and play like that. But I thought the Colts played better than what the, what the final score ended up being. Yeah, I'd say that, Um, you know, I know you're going to hate this, but you know, Colin Coward said on his show, the difference in that game was Josh Allen. I mean, because the Colts, well, yeah, because the Colts, like, the Colts he let him, him. You just said he let him in rushing. He had 300 yards. That entire team relies on Josh Allen. If he has a bad day, that team has a bad day. Yeah, uh, I, I guess I'll agree with you in that aspect. I think the Colts special teams outplayed Buffalo. I think the defense outplayed Buffalo. Uh, yeah, I, think, I think it might have turned me on that point, but hey, hey, hey there we go. Um, I mean, if there's one positive that came out of it, it's that the Colts still covered, making me want to know after that game on the weekend. So, 
I didn't bet it because I don't bet against the Colts, and I was really thinking about betting against the Colts there. So <laughs> I hypothetically own one, but <laughs> I didn't bet it because I don't bet against the Colts. Uh, one of the ones I got wrong this weekend, Ravens and Titans. I thought the Titans would be able I, – I had them at least getting the plus three, three and a half, whatever it was. Um, I thought the Titans were going to win this game outright. Um, the Ravens. Okay. Can we talk about just the utter pettiness that is needed in sports of the Ravens when Marcus Peters intercepts the ball running the whole defense running onto the Titans logo and stomping on it and dancing and whatnot, Oh my goodness. I loved it so much. And the other big takeaway I took from this game is Lamar Jackson. My goodness. He, every single player other than him on that field looked like they were running in cement. He is, he's so much fast. It's like, he's running in fast forward. It's crazy. Yeah. I only caught bits and pieces of that game, but I was lucky enough to like catch that touchdown run that he had. And I yeah. was just like, oh my goodness. Like he a, he, this is a, the safety had an angle on him. He just went by him. <laughs> yeah, like not like it's not even fair because Lamar Jackson has long strides and he has quick strides. Like, how are you supposed to beat that? I don't know, but oh <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I like Baltimore going into this game. Um, uh, and I'll say I was not that I was nervous or not, whatnot, because I didn't really care too much about the final result. But I saw Tennessee go up early, and I'm like, shoot, I might have been wrong about this game. I thought Baltimore was coming in hot. I was feeling right. I was feeling right. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, kudos to Baltimore. Didn't give up. Lamar Jackson got his first playoff win. And I'm not going to lie, I don't know what your take side with is on it, what your side with it was. Lamar Jackson getting his first playoff win, like, I guess it's it's always a big deal, but the fact that he was 0-2, I'm like, who cares, okay? Like, he played in one when he was a rookie, and, like, the other one, okay, they had a bad day. Okay, they had a bad day playing. Okay, so I, I, didn't, buy in, I, don't, I didn't buy into the Lamar playoff stuff as much as some people did. Um, I did – the one where he's MVP of the league and then comes out and loses – that one means a little more to me than the one where he's a rookie and started halfway through the season, whatever. And if he would have lost this game, I think then I would have been kind of more on Lamar because he opened the game with an interception. And, mm-hmm. and if, if you proceed to lose this game, especially to the same team again, um, and now you're Owen three. Now, now I start wondering it, you've been an MVP and you've done this, like then I would start to, and let me put it this way, assuming that, um, you know, the rest of the team doesn't play horrendous. Like if, if there is blame to be put on Lamar Jackson, then if he loses this game, I think then I'm a little more on the, okay. So is Lamar Jackson, is that really like, obviously I just talked about him phenomenal talent. But is that uh, a viable option? And really, it's, it's so difficult to do. But if a team can contain Lamar Jackson, 
he doesn't get the big touchdown run. He doesn't run. He doesn't. He isn't able to scramble. Um, I mean that the off that offense looks like a different offense when Lamar is able to move. It's it happened against Cleveland. He was moving all over Cleveland. He moved all over Tennessee on Sunday. When Lamar or Jackson is able to run and move, that is a completely different offense. When when teams have been able to kind of keep him in the pocket, force him to throw, that's when Baltimore gets in trouble. Um, and we'll get to that later, so I'll save that. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I, and one thing for Tennessee, though, and I guess credit to Baltimore's defense, Derrick Henry, who – 2000 plus yards MVP, you know, people want to make an MVP case. He had two and a half yards of carry. He had 18 carries for 40 yards. Yeah. I went back and watched some highlights because I can't remember who kind of pointed it out to me, but people were pointing out, it didn't even look like he was running hard in that game. Like, I don't know if he was just gassed and like fatigued from the season or whatnot, but it looked like whenever he was getting a carry, he wanted a hole to be there and there wasn't. So he didn't even, not that he didn't try, but he didn't do that Derrick Henry style running that, you know, breaks away from nine tackles. <laughs> okay. I am not going to put out in the public that I think Derrick Henry wasn't trying just in case I, he's I, able to I, find I, me. Like that's not a man I'm going to get on the I wrong did, side of. <laughs> look, look, I, I didn't I did say he wasn't trying. I just I'm, said, he, I'm just he, saying he, you're brave. I'm just saying you're brave. Braver than I. (laughs) I'm just saying, you know, for Derrick Henry and what he's known for being able to do, it just was not put on display that Sunday because, you know, he's had had those runs where there was a lot of people there and he was able to just go right through, make a miss, and then take it for a big game, for a big gain. And there it looks like he would take the handoff and there would be a couple guys there and he would just, you know, go down. Not like obviously, you know, go down on his own, but the guys would just be there and make the tackle as opposed to him uh, making them miss. Another another person I wouldn't want to offend is the Baltimore defense by suggesting that the reason they stopped Derrick Henry is that he wasn't trying. Um, but the, I mean, bit, I mean, that's a double edged sword there, but uh, um, there's a trend among running backs with the ex- Slight exception of Adrian Peterson. A lot of running backs have a major, major season, and then they fall off, and you never hear from them again. Like Chris Johnson had 2,000 yards. He never had another season close to that. Um, I'm not saying Adrian Peterson had another season closer to that, but, but he's been productive since uh, hitting 2,000. Mm-hmm. Um Ladanian Tomlinson broke the touchdown record and he never really got close to that again. Sean Alexander, same thing. Um, it makes you wonder Henry has had two good years and this one was phenomenal. I mean, I'm, I don't know what the total is going to be for, you know, the estimated of what he's going to do next year, but I'm going to say it's under. That's fair bet. One thing that I was really shocked about this game is that I have a terrible Titans defense 
a very good Titans offense and a very explosive Baltimore offense. How was this game only 20 to 13? I like, I would, I didn't take no. the over, but boy, I was saying take the over on this game and boy, I was way off. Yeah. I don't, that's what, I mean, when De- I think that's Derrick Henry getting 40 rushing yards. That's, I mean, and, and the fact that I think Corey Davis was limited and um, AJ Brown was a little limited. He was in there more than Davis was, I think. But um, it, I mean, for instance, the last play—well, not the last play of the game, but the last play I think for Tennessee essentially was uh, Tannehill threw an interception because normally where Davis would be was this other guy, and he threw to him, and the guy just fell down, and then Marcus Peters made the interception. Um, and if you have Corey Davis in there, maybe it's a different story. Um, I I mean I that it shocked me that that game was just twenty to thirteen going into it I thought it'd be more like the Colts Bills um, like a twenty seven twenty four maybe a thirty one to um, twenty eight something like that um, mm-hmm. I I anticipated I think a part of it too both of those teams run it like crazy um, they're the I think probably the top two rushing teams in the league. So clock run, shorter, less possessions, you know. Um, and so I think that played a part in it. But I still thought they'd be able to have big plays and um, and score points. Twenty, The Titans only getting 13 surprised me. Um, Baltimore getting 20, not as much. Um, but the fact that Tennessee only ended up with 13 – with how they'd been playing most of the season. <laughs> I mean, they were, they were one of the, were they the number one offense? They were up there. Um, they, they, they certainly were a top five offense, I believe. Yeah. I mean, they were averaging like 28, 30 points a game. So for them to only come in and put up 13 at home was surprising to me. But, um, so in those first two games, so now the Ravens end up playing the Bills this next week. Um, the next game I was right about, it was Sunday night football, uh, the Browns and the Steelers. Oh, my goodness. I, uh, okay, I, <laughs> I saw a tweet, <laughs> and it was so true. This guy tweeted, I went poop and I missed two touchdowns. <laughs> like, like I'm sitting there watching the game. I almost missed the first touchdown. It was like the first play of the game. Uh, the center snaps the ball over Ben's head and Cleveland recovers it in the end zone. Touchdown, Cleveland. And then uh, Cleveland, I believe, I think then Ben threw an interception and then Cleveland went down, scored a touchdown. Um, and then how – what happened? I think Steelers went three and out, punted. Um, Cleveland went down, scored a touchdown. Come back on, Ben throws an interception. Cleveland gets a touchdown. I mean, it's 28 nothing with like three minutes to go in the first quarter. 
Like this game was over before it started. <laughs> and then uh, some people were trying to say like, oh, it's a game. I believe someone tweeted it out from the run up the score account. The views on that account do not reflect those of both co-hosts said, oh, we're, we have a game, gentlemen. I'm like, it's a two pos- – what? They're still down 12. Like, that's not a game. That game was utterly dominated by Cleveland. And, okay, uh, yeah. And uh, hold on. Finish my take. And uh, the – Why, <laughs> you never let me finish mine. <laughs> hey, that's true. Um, the, the Cleveland uh, – Cleveland hangs 48 on this amazing Pittsburgh Steeler defense. And honestly, I mean, Pittsburgh ended up with 37. If you had told Pittsburgh they had 37 points and they were down by 11, that I think that would have stunned anybody. Yeah, honestly, yeah, this game, right from the get-go, I was absolutely shocked by what I was watching. Um, you know, back when Pittsburgh did make it a two-possession game, uh, I believe they were able to make it a 13-point game. Yeah, I mean, there was a 13-point game, but eight minutes to go. Yeah, that that's doable. Um, however, Cleveland's offense, they kept the pedal to the metal. They were able to keep Pittsburgh from uh, from getting back into the game. So credit to them for that. But I think when I had a 13-point game with eight minutes left, yeah, I mean, you, you you can definitely come back from that. I've seen I've seen a lot of games that were a 13 board game with eight minutes to go completely flip. So that's all I meant by that. I wasn't saying Pittsburgh was going to come out. I'm just saying this game's starting to get a little bit more interesting. I've seen it happen, but the way Pittsburgh was playing and the way Cleveland was playing, it wasn't gonna. I mean, I never said it was going to, but I mean, yeah. if it, <laughs> but it wasn't a game. It wasn't a game. I mean, it, it got interesting. I'm just, that's all I was saying. It got a little bit interesting there. <laughs> and not to mention they were able to get the ball back down 16, which obviously they didn't do anything with it, but had they scored and gotten a two, that would have just made a one possession game to three timeouts. Just saying. But regardless, uh, yeah, credit to the Browns though. Like, absolutely credit to them like no one gave them a dog no one gave them a dog in the fight like this game was supposed to either like be absolute blowout for pittsburgh or at least a close pittsburgh win like you know this is just an all-around great team effort in a team win by cleveland i don't think i've seen anything quite like it um Here's what I'll say. I absolutely hate Pittsburgh, okay? I absolutely hate them for this reason. You know, I had accused Pittsburgh of being the biggest collapse in NFL history. And then I had to walk it back because they had one good half over the last six games where they're one in five with one good half. And that one good half had to come against the Colts. It yeah, it just had to have come again. Yeah, it's it's almost as if they like wanted to mock me. They're like, "You're right, but guess what? We're gonna, you know, make you look like you're wrong." But uh, that that's just a horrible performance because I don't know. This this is absolutely the best job of misdirection I've ever seen. 
because your backups almost beat the Browns. Yeah, I was going to say that. <laughs> yeah, your backups almost beat the Browns, and that was in Cleveland. You play your starters who had a week's rest, and then you play them at home. And right from the first snap, like I was happy deja vu to Peyton Manning having a snap going over his head in the Super Bowl. Like, I'm like, wait, am I seeing this right now? Am I about to see Cleveland like blow out Pittsburgh? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what happened. But credit to Cleveland without their coach. Like, that's a, you know, it reminds me of like the story of, of like Nehemiah, where it's like they're trying to build a wall around a city and it's like, well, we don't have the people or time to do it. Well, it's like, well, everyone work on building the wall that's in front of your house and then we'll be able to create it. And so that's what, that's what Cleveland did in a sense. It's like offense coordinator, take care of the offense, defensive coordinator, take care of the defense, special teams coordinator. You kind of work with both offense and defense and putting together a special teams unit. So you're going to be the head coach of managing the game. And that's exactly what they did. They did a phenomenal job of doing that. And they put together a fantastic game plan. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot here. Um, one, just the pure irony that if if the Steelers would have won the previous week, they wouldn't have played Cleveland. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> because they essentially allowed them in the playoffs so that they could come in and embarrass them in prime time uh, wild card weekend. Um Two, I want to take a minute to acknowledge I shouldn't do it, you know, but I have to because it was so terrible. I want to acknowledge the worst take in maybe sports history. And that was last week when Colin Cowherd went on a big rant about Baker Mayfield wearing a backwards hat. I mean, are you freaking kidding me? That has to be the worst thing I've ever heard. This is a man grabbing at straws because he hates Baker Mayfield. I just want to pick any little thing and say that's wrong because Baker Mayfield did it. By the way, you know what one of his points was? He's like, well, you know, Tom Brady's never done it. Uh, Aaron Rodgers never done it. Peyton Manning's never done it. If you look at the replies on this tweet, it's nothing but pictures of Tom Brady in a backwards hat, Aaron Rodgers in a backwards hat, Peyton Manning in a backwards hat. The way you wear your hat has essentially, essentially no effect on your ability to play football. It's, oh my gosh, I was so annoyed with that take. And I sent it to Ben. Cause I was like, this is ridiculous. Right. And Ben comes back with a, Hey, he's got a point. Okay, Ben, you no, 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 no. I want you to right now take back everything you said about Baker Mayfield. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Why? What do you mean? Why? He, what, what do I, what do I have to take back about from Baker Mayfield that I think of him as a game managing quarterback? That he's that a bad he's quarterback, okay. that he, he can't do this, he can't do that. No, 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 I mean, this guy, whoa, no, whoa, head, whoa. no head coach. No whoa, head. whoa, 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 let me stop you right there. Let me stop you right there. Okay, Case Keenan, the backup for the Browns, could have won this game. Okay, let's just get that clear. This is not a win on Baker Mayfield. This is a team win. Are you through. crazy? Bro. Pittsburgh turned the ball over five times, okay? 
this way it goes more on the defense and than you, it does the offense. You know how Jarvis many times Landry, the de- you know how many times the defense scored on those turnovers? Look, Case Keenum is a capable quarterback. He's capable of scoring. Oh my gosh. You're ridiculous. He took the Vikings to a conference championship with a good roster, okay? I mean, yeah, Nick Foles won a Super Bowl. What's your point? My point is that Baker Mayfield had a good game. However, it was a team win and it didn't fall on him. He only had—he didn't have over 300 yards. He only had 263. Oh my gosh! I cannot. You are. Oh my gosh! The. Did you not watch the game? Yes, I did. I saw. Do you see the the throws he was making? I saw like a 10-yard pass to Jarvis Landry, who made everyone miss and uh, run right into the end zone. I saw that they ran for over 125 yards rushing. Look, Baker Mayfield had everything go right for him, and he did what he needed to do. You know he, what Baker Mayfield's done in the last eight games or however long? What? He's thrown one pick. Okay. He lost to the Jets this year. You remember that? Oh, my gosh. You are amazing. You are amazing, Ben. Look, when it comes to the backwards hat thing, that's that's more of just pettiness. Like I don't really care about that. And you know, don't don't say it's Colin Coward grasping at straws. Okay, he got on Matt Patricia for doing it. He got on Carson Wentz for doing it. Okay, like that's the thing and, that Colin. But Coward you know does. what? His everyone. But you know what? Everyone else does it too. So there's really no merit to the point. Okay, what Colin usually does, I haven't seen like the pictures or whatnot. What Colin usually does is when it's like a like a press conference or a media uh, event, that's where he wants to forward cap. If you're out of practice with a backwards cap, he doesn't care. That's or, not but, the pictures. I mean, granted, I think one of them was out of practice. Peyton Manning had a backwards visor, which I would say is worse than any backwards hat any day. But... <laughs> But again, that, that's more or less pettiness. I don't think it has anything to do with your quarterback play or whatnot. Again, it kind of is grasping at straws, but Colin's kind of known for this. So that was more of that was more or less of a media play there and to get views as opposed to anything else. Uh, but I see, I see that's where that's on. Oh, here's my Joe Judge moment on this show. I will never make the most idiotic take in sports history just to get views. Okay, that's a promise. You will not get that here at Run Up the Score. Oh yeah, now, I me. can't. I can't promise that for Ben. I can't promise that for Ben. <laughs> but it will not be from me. <laughs> Uh, I can't believe do you get come on this look, this I think this game solidifies Baker Mayfield will be in Cleveland for at least four more years. I mean he's gonna get a yeah. new contract. Yeah. I mean here's what here's what I'll make right now. If they resign him to a whole bunch of money, like you know, what a playoff quarterback would get, and he starts losing these pieces, we're gonna see Baker Mayfield exposed. Look, I'm not disputing Baker Mayfield having a good game. He did have a good game, three touchdowns, no picks. You know, he had a good game. But you can't just 
give him all the credit. The defense came up with five turnovers. They had a great rushing attack. I'm not they trying to say the line of scrimmage. I'm not trying to say Baker gets all the credit. I'm saying give him some credit because you've been trying to defame this man since we started this show. Okay, let's be honest. He wasn't playing great <laughs> at the start of the season, and we were kind of just having this debate of whether he should get that next contract. And from what I saw, I'm like, this guy's a game-managing quarterback. If he takes a you know small amount of money, fine, but I'm not going to give him the top-tier quarterback contract with a game-managing style quarterback. And I have no, I have no problem with game managers. One of my favorite quarterbacks is a game manager. No I kidding. Mean, but would I pay a boatload to Alex Smith? No. Yeah, you probably would. You know it. Okay, well, only for the biased part of it. In the logical <laughs> sense, no, I would not. <laughs> I, I am, I am, I am sold on Baker Mayfield having the capability of being a top 10 quarterback in this league. Well, well, I mean, let's think about this. Let's think about this. What if, you know, Claypool is right and Baker Mayfield gets rolled next week with one touchdown and three picks. Like, if it's one touchdown, three picks, it's a little different, but I'm, I'm assuming I'm coming into this week, assuming they are getting rolled. Yeah, and so, like, I feel like you are just having a slight bit of recency bias here. Uh, no. I am I am predicting they get rolled, and uh, that's just a product of having to play the Chiefs. Well, okay, but... If they were playing the Bills, I'd give them a real shot. Let's put it that way. Well, that's peculiar, because... Bills are a better team than the Chiefs, but okay. You are out of your – I thought – you know what? I thought <laughs> seeing the Colts play the Bills, I thought – I didn't say this to you because I didn't want to, you know – you know, I mean, the Colts' loss is rough. Um, but I, I, I watched that game and I thought, Ben's seeing it now. He drank a little too much of the Kool-Aid. And here mm-hmm. he is – it seems like he got another gallon of it. Whoa, 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 whoa. Okay. We, we first we got to figure out why do I think the Bills are a better team than the Chiefs? It wasn't because I was all in on this Bills team thinking that this team was absolutely special and untouchable. It's that I no longer think the Chiefs are untouchable. Okay. Over what I've Crazy. saw. All over the end Crazy. of November, all of December, Crazy. they have not played well. Okay. They just did barely enough to get wins. And, you know, I'm just saying, I don't think they're untouchable. I think they could get beat. You know what a W is, Ben? Look, tell that to the Pittsburgh Steelers when they were 11-0. Uh, those were different W's. Oh, oh, oh! But a W is a W. A W is a W, though. If the if it's the Chiefs, yes. Oh in my most, goodness! In most standards, in, in, in most cases, a W is a W. According <laughs> the Steelers, the W's were a little different. Now, now I'll get no give the Steelers some credit. That defense, they had got a lot of injuries. That defense was very good to start the year off. 
and Big Ben wasn't tired yet. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah th- there is a point to where you could say the Steelers were a good team, good team. I'm not quite buying Steelers, but they're still winning, and then they fell off the cliff. Yeah. And then for, then it seemed like they were going to pull themselves back up against Indianapolis, then they continue to fall. Yeah. All right, should we, okay. should we move on? We, we should, but I'm mad. At <laughs> um, the Bucks and Washington played Saturday night. Uh, this is another one I was right about. I had Washington covering eight and a half, and they just did it at eight. Um, the the Bucks played a little better than I thought they would. They put up 31. I, I was anticipating them putting up about 23, uh, 24. The Washington football team put up 23. Now, I will say I was very nervous about that pick uh, when it was announced that Alex Smith would not be playing. Um, I went, oh, are you kidding me? Is everything just going to go Tom Brady's stinking way? The answer is yes, but – Taylor Heineke went out there and he balled. Yeah, he did. Uh, 300, 300 yards, uh, 46 yards rushing, led the team in rushing, led the team in passing. Uh, you know, I, like I said earlier in the show, you know, I thought the Colts were the best losing team of this weekend. I think Washington was right behind them. Uh, they, uh... They, they gave us. <laughs> oh. oh, go ahead. Oh. Are we, are we going to get into this later or what? <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead. All right. But anyway, yeah, I thought Washington, uh, they had a, they, they played Tampa pretty well and uh, kept it close for the most part. Uh, but ultimately, it, they just weren't good enough to beat Tampa Bay. And I'm not sure if Alex would have made a huge difference there. I don't think Alex would have thrown that pick because honestly, I think that one interception was not a great throw or a great decision. The completion percentage probably would have been a little bit higher. Um, but outside of that, Taylor Heineke had a good game. Um, and it just, it, it ultimately just, they didn't have enough to beat Tampa. It amazes me that you just said a seven and nine team with their backup quarterback was the second best team to lose this week. I'm not saying based on the entire season. If I were to watch only these six games this year and not watch anything that happened before, I would have said Washington was probably the second, the team that gave the second best performance of losing teams. Cause all these other teams that lost gave pretty pitiful performances. Okay, I can, I can, I can kind of see that. Um, okay. I, see, this is why, you know, everyone's hopping on the Bucks train right now. Everyone's hopping on the Bucks train. Uh, that line moved to ten at one point before the game started. I think once Alex Smith got called out, um, the the Bucks finished the season uh, with the Falcons the Panthers, the Lions, and the Falcons, and then they played Washington with a backup quarterback. Um, and everyone's saying, oh, the Bucks are just going to come out of there and, you know, da, 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 da. they look so good. Okay, against teams above 500 this year, Tom Brady is 1-5. So let's see how he does this week when we haven't talked about it yet, but he's going to be playing the Saints. And the, the Saints – are have already 
Here's my concern with the Saints. The Saints have beaten the Bucks twice this year. It's tough to beat a team three times. It has been done before, obviously, but um, to beat a team three times uh, can be difficult. But the Saints are a considerably different team than the Washington football team, the Atlanta Falcons, the Detroit Lions, and the Carolina Panthers. I would agree with that. I would agree with that. Now, how many calls is Brady going to get that tilts the game in the focus? We got to hear another offseason of Sean Payton saying the refs are against New Orleans. That's a different question. I well, I would know, we'll, I think we'll the I think the, next week right I think I think the odds on that are we going to be about minus one eighty five, but yeah I uh, as far as this game I thought Washington didn't get quite as good of a pass pass rush as I expected um, the secondary kind of fell out for Washington um, Heineke came in there I mean. I, I mean, is he the next franchise quarterback for Washington? I mean, he played very well. Um, at the very least, he'll be a backup there for a while. Um, yeah, I think I think a good solid backup. And then if you don't have your franchise guy going into the season, you allow him to compete for the job. I don't think you give him the starting job just based on this game. I think that's too much recency bias. But Yeah. Um, but, man – it, man, it would have been nice just to go ahead and get Tampa out right there. There are people saying Tampa's going to the Super Bowl, Ben. I don't see it. I really don't because you have to go to New Orleans and then probably to Green Bay. Uh, and so I, I don't see it. I, I don't see them winning next week, if I'm being frankly honest. Like, I think it's possible. In fact, I think the chances are better than that if they had to go to Green Bay just because it's in an indoor stadium. But, I mean, I think the Saints' defense has been very uh, going under the radar quite a bit. And so I think they'll give Tom Brady lots of problems. Um, but, I mean, I just like the Saints next week. I don't think Tampa's defense has been playing as well as anticipated either, and I think the Saints' offense can give them problems, especially since Michael Thomas is back. Now, can can uh, we haven't gotten to that game yet? I'm sorry, we I'll wait on that one. But um, but yeah, I I I mean, you won't find a bigger Saints fan than this guy right here this weekend. As I say, just for the weekend, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. Rams Seahawks. This one was a bit of a snoozer. Um, the Rams took care of business, thirty to thirteen. Ben, here's all I have. I mean, Aaron Donald got a little banged up, so we're waiting to hear if he's going to be active this next week. Uh, two questions in this game, Ben. One: Why didn't Jared Goff start? Is Sean or is uh, sorry, Sean McVay? Uh, telling us that he stinks and two what happened to seattle this year i mean the first question is uh i don't think uh, i think jared goff is the quarterback sean wants to go to 
Um, from what I'm hearing, Jared Goff still had the like the stitches or some kind of something in his thumb, and then during the game, his thumb started swelling up pretty bad. And so, like, I think that uh, he wanted he would have went with Jared Goff if it was 100. percent But the fact that he wasn't, he kind of wanted to he wanted to dress him in case of an emergency situation. But he would have went with a uh, what was his name? Uh, Wolford. Wolford. Yeah, and then he would decide to go for Wolford and see what he's got. Um, but no, when Jared Goff came in, I think he did a good job of game managing and just managing the team to a victory. To answer your question, what happened to Seattle? I have no idea. I haven't to see that offense be as red hot as they were to start the year and completely collapse. I don't think I've ever seen an offense go from that good to that bad in one season. Is like, it a, would you say maybe it's the greatest collapse in NFL history? Well, if I said I've never seen it, then I mean, obviously, but <laughs> I'm just talking about the offensive side because the defense stepped it up for Seattle. Oh my gosh. The defense the got half. so much better. Yeah. You know, but like if you could have the offense of Seattle at the start of the year and the defense of Seattle now, this Super Bowl team could have made a Super Bowl run. But as it is, that offense just com- I don't know what happened. They they just have you ever seen an offense go from that good to that bad? I don't understand. They didn't even get hurt. I don't yeah. I, I don't I don't understand what happened. The um the uh I picked this is the second game I was wrong on. I was right on all the other ones, but this is the second game I was wrong on. I picked Seattle just in faith that Russell Wilson, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, they're gonna figure it out against the Rams. Like they'll be able to do it. The defense will hold up against the Rams offense and they'll be able to move the ball. I mean, did you see the pick six that Russell Wilson threw? Like on a screen, that's impossible. How does that even happen? I don't know. I, I really don't know. Uh, you know, I hate speculating this, especially when there's no basis to go off, but I feel like there's something going on in Seattle's locker room or something like that. With the major team. allegations, major allegations here. <laughs> well, like, I don't know what it possibly could be, but whether it's between coaches and players, players and players, uh, coaches and ownership, I don't know what happened, but something happened there and it, it was just, it was not pretty. And I, I just don't get no one. That offense was so stinking good. They, no one got hurt and they got so stinking bad. And I mean, Russell Wilson was not playing well and they stopped being able to run the ball. I mean, I mean, it was a mess. Yeah, absolutely no arguments here. I've never quite seen a team do that before. So the Rams will travel to Green Bay this next week. I don't know. That's probably – I mean, we'll look at it later, but that's probably not a not an ideal situation for them. No, probably not. However – I think their defense might be able to make this interesting for a little bit, just for a little bit. I think once the Packers kind of figure it out, 
they'll breeze through it. But I think the Rams defense, if they come out with a good game plan, could make it interesting for a little bit. Okay. Uh, Saints and Bears, this one. Um, what what game would you say? You said Rams Seahawks was the most boring of the weekend. Is that right? I can't tell if he's frozen or if he's I just. Was, I had the game me. on in front of me. And... Can you hear? What? Me? There he is. Okay, so we're good. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, I had the Rams and Seahawks game on right in front of me, and I just kept on dozing is in and out from it. So yeah, that one I probably would have thought was the most boring game of the weekend. See, you're wrong because the Saints and the Bears was by far the biggest snooze fest of the weekend. There was <laughs> there was no suspense in Saints Bears. We all knew it was going to happen, and it happened. But you know what was fun about that game was that Nickelodeon. It was on Nickelodeon. It- players getting slimed and <laughs> well did you see the uh, Mitch Trubisky getting the MVP Deshaun Watson or Peck Mahomes don't have any of those <laughs> oh my gosh um MVP Mitch um well did you see the other fun the other reason it was funny it was on Nickelodeon because the, the referee was making a call yep, and, a I saw player, that. and a player stand next to him screamed, what the fill in the blank there audience. And <laughs> it went right through that microphone, perfectly clear through all the televisions. I was like, wow. I, I mean, get a, I want to get a fine from Nickelodeon, <laughs> <laughs> but I think it was a big success though. I mean, we all kind of said, what the heck's that? doing i think it ended up being rather successful um maybe they'll do it again yeah maybe although now will... by far they picked the worst game to try it out with <laughs> i mean yes and here's here's another thing i kind of was switching back and forth between the cbs broadcast and the nickelodeon broadcast especially when they were trying to tell me what false starts were what challenges were <laughs> i'm like <laughs> Okay, just just give me just give me some Jin Mance and Tony Romo and like you know actually talk to me like I'm an adult here. <laughs> but no, every so often, like I did see like young Sheldon popping up CBS explaining what holding is. Oh, we lost him again. Okay, he's back. Yep. Uh, Okay, you good? There he is. Okay. I don't know why. It's probably my internet, to be honest. Um, but, yeah, my CBS feed was probably about 15 seconds before the Nickelodeon feed. And so whenever there was, like, a touchdown or something like that, I would switch back over to the Nickelodeon just to see the reaction and see the slime going off. <laughs> well, that's what um, – they probably did that because – Nickelodeon wanted extra time in case there was something said than even CBS would do. Um, but they didn't catch the one. Um, the, the, I kept seeing young Sheldon would pop up and explain what holding is. Um, and then did you, they punted it and there was this announcer that was like, woo, all the way up in the air. And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's what it, that's, that's what it does, I guess. <laughs> 
it was it was interesting uh, mm-hmm. I guess it's for the kids, though. It's for the kids. Um, but yeah, this game was miserably uh, boring. Uh, Saints. I mean, it was twenty-one to three. Bears got a garbage touchdown at the end. Now, the I guess they changed this rule where if you score and there's no time left and it doesn't affect the outcome, you don't have to kick the extra point or attempt the attempt the two-point conversion so a lot of people (laughs) got their parlays or their bets messed up because they might have had the bears at plus 11 and a half and if you kick the extra point that covers and if you don't it doesn't for instance uh i saw uh tone Diggs from pat mcafee show had a parlay everything hit except the bears at 11 and a half it was a 25 dollar parlay to win 1200 dollars he had put like a he put like a teaser on every game and put it in a parlay and everything hit except the bears plus 11 and a half which was an extra point away and they just didn't kick it at the end of the game and it cost him $1,200. That, that's that hurts. Yeah. Well, and then, you know, like, uh, you know, I guess FanDuel's better than most. Cause they were like, Oh, you got a rough break there. We'll refund you your money. And he's like, I don't want my $25 bet back. <laughs> I want my 1200 that I would have won. <laughs> and if they would have gone for two, then they would have covered the, the original spread. Hmm. I thought the whole funny thing about that was as soon as Jimmy Graham scored, he he went right to the locker room. Yeah, I'm not playing. I'm not staying here one more second than I contractually have to be. <laughs> but yeah, the Bears look pretty pathetic, and that's I mean to be expected. Mm. Um, let's go into a news break, Ben. We have covered all the wild card games. Time to take a little break. Uh, let's see what we got here. The all pro team. Did we talk about the all pro teams on here? Uh, I think we kind of hinted at it. Uh, I, I think I talked about it with Casey, I think, but I'm not sure if they had come out by when we had recorded. Um, I think the Colts had a tie for the lead with uh, representatives. They had four. It was a, uh, Nelson Leonard Buckner, who missed the Pro Bowl but makes the All Pro team, and uh, and a special teamer Odom. I feel like I've heard the name Odom a few times. Uh, I think think it's George Odom. Yeah, but yeah, all those guys. It's deserving. Um, No arguments here on those. Uh, I did find it interesting. The receivers were, um, oh, it was Devonte Adams and who was the second one? Uh, 
Ah, can't remember off the top of my head. The other one was Tyreek Hill, but DeAndre Hopkins didn't make it, um, which I thought was interesting. Well, I didn't really see um, DeAndre Hopkins uh, end of the year totals, and I think those are more stat-driven than uh, more or less popularity. Mm. And so maybe like DeAndre Hopkins didn't have that good of a year statistically, or maybe he was just – just out other of the guys cut. other guys had better years yeah I, I was surprised that Tyreek made it um I can't remember who the second guy who was the other receiver who had a huge year it was Devonte Adams and who maybe DK I don't think DK would have gotten all pro I don't think um, see I don't think he would have either but I can't remember now okay so now this is gonna bother me and I'm gonna just look it up and we just you know um, let's see, 2020. We have Diggs. It was Diggs. That makes sense. Okay. He, was first, yep. he was first in everything. Yeah. Um, except I think touchdowns, I think Devontae had him there. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was Adams, Diggs, and Hill. Um, those were their only, uh, Oh, I wanted to ask you about this. There was a tie, uh, between Minka Fitzpatrick and Buda Baker. So Tyron Matthew made it. And then there was a tie between Minka Fitzpatrick and Buda Baker for all pro team. I mean, they're both pretty solid defenders. I know they are, but how does the tie? What's a, how does a tie happen? Well, my guess is there's a committee that selects it and there might just be an even number of votes or whatnot. So they just tied it and give it to both of them. I don't know. Okay. That's about, I mean, Derrick Henry got the running back. Rogers was the quarterback. Kelsey was the tight end. Everything else was pretty standard. Um, Aaron Donald joined Buckner as the interior lineman. Man, can you imagine trying to run against Aaron Donald and Buckner? Well, and and having your edge rushers be TJ Watt and Miles Garrett. Gosh, that's scary. And then your linebackers are Fred Warner, Bobby Wagner, and Darius Leonard. And then your cornerbacks are Xavier Howard and Jalen Ramsey. Xavier Howard, who's he play for again? Miami. Okay. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a solid team right there. Yeah, let's put let's put the all pro team against the Pro Bowl team, you know. Yeah, the I I I still I guess Hopkins got second team. Okay, so that that was first team. Second team, Josh Allen and, and Patrick Mahomes tied. Um Camara tight here's interesting. Tight end, vacant. Apparently they just didn't pick one for the second team. Um, Hopkins, Jefferson, Calvin Ridley, DK Metcalf, and Cole Beasley. Cole Beasley? He had a good year. Huh. Um, Ryan Kelly, uh, second team. Uh. Khalil Mack and Zadarius Smith are your edge rushers. Chris Jones, Cameron Hayward are your interior linemen. 
Devin White, Demario Davis, Levante David, and Roquan Smith. Linebackers, cornerbacks, Jerry Alexander, Davis White. Safeties, Jamal Adams, Jesse Bates for Cincinnati. Interesting. Uh, and Luke Rhodes for Indianapolis. Yeah, second team. So. Luke Rhodes, he's a long snapper? Yeah. Okay. Um, let's see. Anthony Costanzo just announced today that he is going to be retiring. Yep, I kind of saw it coming. Yeah, that wasn't a big surprise to me. Still a bummer. Uh, yeah, bummer. Never like. Well, actually, I think there was a time where he was the best lineman. That, that was a problem for a lot of times. But when the Colts <laughs> offensive line got repaired, he wasn't. Wow, this man! Can you just let him retire, man? <laughs> look, My uh, gosh! Look, he was never fantastic, but he was always a reliable, suitable lineman. That's what I was trying to say. Yeah, you weren't very good, but we'll miss you. He wasn't bad. He just wasn't spectacular. He never yeah. made a Pro Bowl. I mean, <laughs> he was—he was a super nice guy, though. Oh yeah, he's an absolutely nice guy. You know? Yeah, I really like. He seemed like a cool dude. Yeah, I—I I, I had a little bit of a chat with him at the training camp. Yeah, me too. Yeah, he, he has a no idea who I am, but <laughs> yeah, take it. Um, it's just like every girl in our lives. Um. The- <laughs> Uh, it's probably because we're doing this for you know that's true that's true this podcast is probably why we're single um <laughs> the nba is having a little trouble with covid ben the nba is having a little trouble with covid they've had to postpone some games teams can't put out the minimum amount of players uh which i believe is eight they, they don't have eight eligible players so they can't play the game um they're they're tightening up the restrictions. They're doing this and that, um, but it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. The latest news is that some players who tested positive, you know, back in the bubble or before the bubble, whenever, are starting to test positive again, and they're trying to figure out if the first ones were a false positive, if these ones are false positives, or if they do in fact have gotten it twice. Yeah, uh, from what I heard, um, based on, you know, what information I can get, you can get COVID again after about three months. They said the antibodies for that only last about three months. So if you have COVID once, you are not immune for the rest of your life. You can get it again. Um, <sighs> what? Yeah, so. What a pain. Yeah, so that's unfortunate. But, uh, yeah, it's just. It's not a good situation with the NBA because, uh, you know, NFL, you, you you have more guys. You have guys in the practice squad you can call up. You know, I'm sure I'm sure it's a lot easier for the NFL to get players on the field as opposed to NBA guys. You know, once you start getting about five deep, you know, you're, you're playing, you know, you're practically playing college versus pros right there. Yeah, I mean, it's it. It is interesting because the the teams are so much smaller in the NBA, um, and I know I know the league talked about doing a, like the bubble for the season and stuff. Obviously, that was vetoed because the players didn't want to spend eight months or whatever away from their families in a bubble. Um, but that did seem to be the most effective way to get it done. <laughs> yeah. Uh... It'll be it'll be 
difficult to see. I mean, if they do go to the bubble, they're going to have to like shorten the season way extensively lower. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I can see almost if they decided, you know, it, it all depends where we are at, but um, I saw, I think Fauci was saying that concerts and stuff will come back in the fall is what he's anticipating. Um, so it sounds Fauci like said that. Yeah. So it's still, it sounds like there's a ways to go still. Um, but uh, Fauci has mostly been a pessimistic when it comes to these things. That's yeah. the most optimistic thing I've said. Cause then he said the NFL would not even finish their season if they played or whatnot. Yeah. That was, I mean, that was, yeah, that was the, that was the take. Mm-hmm. Um, but seeing where we're at, I, I, I could see if the NBA goes to like a playoff bubble, if that makes sense. Yeah. I sort of do what the MLB did. Uh, you know, you play your regular season games in your stadiums, but when you get to the playoffs, you, just to ensure uh, they happen, you know. Yeah. I think what they did, what the MLB did, they did two bubbles, one for each conference. One of them was in, like, California. I think the other one was in Texas, maybe. Or maybe they just had the one in Texas. Uh, but, yeah, that's what they did. And it worked out fine for the MLB postseason. Yeah. Um, LaMelo Ball making history. He is the youngest player to ever record a triple-double in the NBA. Um, this came right after a game where he was an assist shy of a triple-double. Is he the one that was drafted to Charlotte? Yes. Okay. How is Charlotte doing on the year? I, I honestly don't, don't know. I, I don't know off the top of my head what their record is. I know they're a bad team. But LaMelo Ball and uh, Gordon Hayward, they're supposed to be really good. <laughs> yeah, let's see. Oh, let me type in something else. They are six and five. They are currently in sixth place in the East. I'm sure that's not bad. It could be better type of thing. Yeah. Um. Apparently, they're on a four game. So they started two and five. <laughs> oh, okay, that makes more sense. Um. <laughs> uh. Kyrie Irving is in some oh hot goodness. water. He uh he missed a game for personal reasons, and since a video has released of him massless at a birthday party for his sister, um, and the NBA is looking into that uh seeing if he broke any protocols anything like that that i mean durant's also missed four games with having to be quarantined for potential close contact it is just going great in brooklyn isn't this what we thought we thought there would be no issues right with with Kyrie and durant oh i i, I never thought you could possibly have an issue you know <laughs> goodness gracious you know you you opened with Oh, Kyrie Irving's in hot water. I'm like, can it get any hotter? Like, <laughs> my goodness, he's all he's been in boiling water since he left Cleveland. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Kyrie, Kyrie, Uncle Drew. Pretty soon it's um, gonna be so hot, there's gonna be no water in there. Yeah, it's just all evaporated like science. Um, 
The next topic we have is the breaking news from, I believe, yesterday that the Eagles have parted ways with coach Doug Peterson. Now, uh, this, uh, this started out um, – initially it was – Peterson's going to go. Probably all the players will leave. On Sunday-ish, it was – Peterson might be in trouble if the owners don't like what he has to say, and then it was Peterson's fired. Um, I heard someone saying that that previous story got leaked because it would have been an absolute shock if it would have just come out that he was fired, so they wanted to – give a little teaser to the story that, well, he's not as safe as you think. And then he gets fired. Still surprising. Um, not from a us perspective, but from a Eagles perspective where it seemed like he was, he was going to be able to stay. I mean, essentially this tells me that the owner group uh, with uh, the Eagles decided to go with Carson Wentz instead of Doug Peterson. I mean, I don't think that's the case. I Look, had Jalen Hurst won the game against Washington week 17, or even if Doug Peterson had left him in to play the entirety of the game, like I, I think that would have been enough for Doug Peterson to keep his job. But that being said, Doug Peterson has made so many questionable calls. He ruined the relationship with Carson Wentz. He's not getting along with any of the players. and He's terrible at press conferences. Yeah. And so, <laughs> and so I think, you know, you're in this notion that the Eagles could still move on from Carson Wentz. I don't think that's out the window. Uh, but, yeah, I do think there's a possibility Carson Wentz might end up staying in Philadelphia just based on the new head coach. Yeah, but it's just I don't know. If you're an Eagles fan, you ought to be, you know, happy right now because this yes. guy was only going to drive you. This guy was only going to drive your franchise into the ground. Like based on the decisions that were going on in the locker room and whatnot, it could have only gotten worse. Like Jim Schwartz, uh, uh, he had put out a letter about his time at Philadelphia, Zach Ertz did the same. Like it looked like everyone was going and now it's like, you know what? Hold the phone. Maybe we can still salvage these good players and good coaches and see what's going on. Doug Peterson was just seemed so bad as a coach this year. And, um, and people talk about three years removed from the Super Bowl. There is some rumor of whether or not it was he was fired or he quit because apparently Doug Peterson uh, left the Eagles because he was, quote, tired of people telling him what to do. Um, the I'm, I'm curious as to if – Philadelphia now has I heard this take earlier if they now have the worst statue in sports history I mean there's certainly a case to be made about it because I mean, don't get me wrong uh, Nick Foles statue I think 
I think it's going to age a lot better than what it is looking at right now. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, because you're going to have a statue and then you're going to be able to, you know, 10 years, 20 years down the line, you're going to be like, yeah, the Eagles won the Super Bowl. This guy, Nick Foles, backup quarterback, came in and won the Super Bowl. You know, it's still going to be a good story. It's going to be well documented. You know, it's going to be something that the Eagles can look back on and be proud of. But at the as of right now, it does not look good for the Eagles. I think it'll age over time and look a lot better for them reminiscing on the past. But as I don't know. We, we have a statue of a guy who won a few games, and those were some of the only few games he won in his career. Uh, and then the coach of that team was also unceremoniously fired a few years later for how awful he was. <laughs> Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. You know, a lot of times when you remember something in the past, you really only remember the good stuff. So that's what I'm saying. <laughs> it's going to age a lot better than what it actually looks like. <laughs> I, I'm interested to see what the Eagles do now. Because now, see, I thought they're going to trade Carson Wentz and they're going to fade into obscurity. And now I think there's a real chance that the Eagles might be able to come back pretty quick. Yeah. Although, here's what I'll say. I don't think their ownership is that great either, so they still might have some problems from that. No, but I think if you can get the right head coach in there, you you move off some of the players, you bring in a couple new ones, I think it's a solid team. And I may hate Doug Peterson gave you the sixth uh, overall pick. (laughs) That's true. That's true. Uh, Might be able to get uh, Devontae Smith with that pick. I mean – Here's what I'm saying. I, I, if Devontae Smith is available at six, someone's getting fired because I think Miami will take Devontae Smith if they don't trade that pick. That's true. That Miami does need receivers. But I'm sure – I think they would take Deshaun Watson first, which leads us into our next topic. Uh, Deshaun Watson is incredibly angry with the Houston Texans, as he should be. Um, the Texans have essentially just wasted what four years of his career. Um, they uh, the, the the rumor out right now is that the leading candidate, uh, to be able to make a trade for Deshaun Watson would be Miami because they would send to a tongue of Iloa, they would send draft pick number three, number 18, number 35, and I think number something around 50. And then maybe a future first and second for Deshaun Watson. And honestly, it'd be worth it. Um, the I usually when you have a team in the lead, that usually means there's going to be a team that comes out of nowhere and ends up getting him. Um, I mean, what what people are wondering, you know, how mad is he? Is this like a is this an actual thing? Um, is there any possibility that Houston would trade Deshaun Watson? I mean, what what do you make of this situation, Ben? Well, I w- I'm I'm kind of glad as a Colts fan that Deshaun Watson wants out of the division. You know, I don't want him in there, uh, but. Uh, I, I don't really know because it, there's a lot of vague details out right now. Um, I would like 
you know, Houston to try to be clever and trade him out of conference. Um, I would like Houston to be dumb and trade him in division. (laughs) (laughs) And play him twice a year when he comes over from Indianapolis. Yeah. I mean, whatever, whatever kind of, whatever gets to Sean Watson in Indianapolis, you know, I'm for it. But I don't see that happening. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think they'll trade him in division. I don't think we can put together the best offer. Yeah, but it it's not the worst idea for Houston because to get all those picks and you're trying to rebuild, you get the third overall pick to where you can now get another quarterback, or you can roll with Tua. And then you have a whole bunch of other picks that you can start building, rebuilding your team, which let's be honest, they don't have any of these picks, so they can't rebuild their team. And right now all they have is Deshaun Watson. Now, wouldn't it be amazing if the Texans traded Deshaun Watson to get back the pick that they gave to the Dolphins to get Larry Tunzel? Um, But the, the, um, what Houston could do, is trade, get all those picks in Tua, and then trade Tua for more picks. That's entirely possible, too. I th- I'm looking forward to this offseason. You know, I'm very much. There's a lot that's going to happen this offseason. It's going to be a nice offseason. Yeah. Um, there is a tweet from Andre Johnson, you know, Texans legend Andre Johnson. Uh, Colts legend as well. Oh wait, no, never mind. Um, <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, here's his tweet. It went out. Uh, what's today? The twelfth. So it went out at three o'clock this afternoon. If I'm at Deshaun Watson, I will stand my ground. The Texans organization is known for wasting players' careers. Since Jack Easterby has walked into the building, nothing good has happened in slash for the organization. And for some reason, someone can't seem to see what's going on. Pathetic exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. That is a Hall of Fame Texan right there. Just ripping the organization in his retirement. I mean, yeah, let's, let's, he's actually, there's actually a whole lot to this. Because let's think about some of these past Houston players and coaches. They once had Gary Kubiak as a head coach. I don't know if you know this, but he later went on to win a Super Bowl for a different team. Andre Johnson. With With Peyton Manning, right? Okay, but that was the year Peyton Manning didn't play half the season and (laughs) was kind of carried. It's fair. It's fair. I mean, Gary Kubiak's still a good coach, nevertheless. He had Andre Johnson. He had Arian Foster. You know, that's a name, right? (laughs) (laughs) That is a name. Yeah, that's an an oldie. (laughs) But, and then you get Deshaun Watson, J.J. Watt, DeAndre Hopkins, I'm seeing a whole list of talented players and coaches. And boy, oh boy, Houston has completely 
mishandled it. I mean, with the, all these players that they had, I mean, there was a year where they had started the year, I think three and no, but Matt Schaub was throwing a whole lot of picks. And so Gary Kubiak was practically pressured into benching him. And so they benched Matt Schaub and like, they didn't win another game after that. I think they went three and 13 after a certain like three and oh, but with Matt Schaub continually throwing picks, they benched him. Yeah. I mean, if I'm Deshaun, I want out quick. Yeah. And I don't want to go to the jets. (laughs) I guess, I guess the appeal for the Deshaun for the jets is that maybe they let him pick the head coach, which is apparently something that Houston's not letting him do. I mean, I will give Houston the benefit of the doubt there. You don't want your players necessarily choosing the head coach. I mean, that you're the owner. You have the right to choose that or the GM. The, but it, well, I think it's fair to say to give the, uh, Watson a say in it. From what I have heard, Watson wasn't looking to choose the coach. He said, I would like you to interview this candidate, and it hasn't happened. And then okay. the, and the GM was hired without him knowing okay. anything. Okay. And that's fair. That's fair. Because I think he said he he would he wants be enemy from Kansas City, and he said I would like you to interview be enemy, saying, uh, "This is what has come out from Deshaun Watson." He said, "I'd like you to interview be enemy. If you don't pick him, I understand, but I would like you to strongly consider him." And they have not interviewed be enemy. Okay. I mean, that's fair. That's fair. I mean, as long as he's not, you know, trying to give demands of picking the coach, like, I think it's absolutely fair to say, you know, kind of give your opinion and, you know, the tech, because you represent the franchise, I think the front office should uh, respect your thoughts and opinions on that. And honestly, he's all, they're going to have to cut JJ Watt and Deshaun's going to be all they have left. I think the things are adding up now because Deshaun was not, notified of DeAndre Hopkins being traded until it happened. I mean, I think, I think Deshaun's just kind of looking for an organization to kind of give him a little more say and not just trade away every talented player that comes into the building. Yeah. I mean, let's just pause a little bit to, Reminiscent on how bad that trade was. <laughs> that trade was, and how bad Bill O'Brien has screwed over the Houston Texans. Yeah, they will not be good for a long time. It's like first, I'll take your, I'll trade away your picks. Then I'll trade away every good player we ever had. <laughs> and only then will you guys know what true suffering is. And in return, I will take nothing. um one more headline before we start looking ahead alabama rolled ohio state in the national championship roll tide 52 to 24 it was it never felt close uh the i devante uh smith ended up getting hurt he didn't play much of the second half he hurt his hand or something um 
But at halftime, Devontae Smith had 12 catches for 215 yards and three touchdowns. Man, I want that guy on our team. <laughs> That's what I, I I was texting. I think I think I texted you and I texted Casey too. I was like, would it be possible for us to draft Alabama? Just the team. Like, and I'll settle for Devontae Smith and Najee Harris. <laughs> but yeah, Devontae Smith, he would be he's gonna be a star wherever he goes. Yeah, I mean, so honestly, if I'm Miami, I'm like, well, I can either get Deshaun Watson and then have him roll with what we have, or I can have Tua and draft Devontae Smith, which Tua played with Devontae Smith. Yeah, but not when Devontae – Devontae was like the fourth option when Tua was there. Well, no, I mean – when Tua first entered the league or first entered um, first entered the game was in that national championship game against Georgia. And he threw that game away touchdown pass to Devontae Smith. And then they played all together the next I, year. I know, but he was still the fourth. It was, it was Judy and then Ruggs and then Waddle and then Smith. So, I, I mean, I get, I get what you're saying. Yeah, I, I I still think never nevertheless there's still going to be some kind of chemistry there, some familiarity. Um, so I I can't help but think that Miami might just hold on to that third pick and get Devontae Smith, which will make Miami a very scary team going into next year. No, I I agree. I'm just not I'm not sold on Tua yet. I think he had a C plus year. And the fact and the fact that in every crunch time situation he got benched for Fitzpatrick makes me nervous. I mean, shoot. Maybe you keep Fitzpatrick around, you know, Fitz Fitzmagic and Devontae Smith. <laughs> but yeah, if he had, he's just an incredible wide receiver. He's gonna be a star right from the get-go. Yeah. However, you know, I'm gonna shift this topic a little bit. Bama absolutely annihilated Ohio State. And so I'm just going to say this to everyone. I almost wanted to tweet it out, but I, I didn't. I bet I didn't. Can we all get off the backs of Notre Dame for crying out loud? <laughs> I mean, Ohio State did one thing better than Notre Dame, and that's they, they played up 10 more points, okay? Notre Dame had 14. Ohio State had 24. Other than that, Notre Dame held Alabama to 31 points, Alabama has scored more than 31 points in every single game this year. And I saw a tweet that's saying that that's the fewest amount of points they've scored in the last two years. And not to mention Alabama crushed Ohio state by more than like what four possessions or whatnot. It was a, how many points was that? A 17 point game, uh, 31, 14. That's 17. Yeah. Yeah. It was a 17-point game that Notre Dame got beat by Alabama. 28 to Ohio State. Yeah, 28 to Ohio State. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying Notre Dame would have beaten Ohio State. Ohio State has a great offense. But I'm just saying. I'm not saying saying, uh, Ohio State shouldn't have been in the playoff, but (laughs) that is the argument being made against Notre Dame. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you know, Ohio State should have been in the playoff. They beat Clemson. They are on that right. But 
let's just get off the backs of Notre Dame, okay? I I, yeah, I thought I heard the announcer say something along the lines of Alabama in the last two or three years has scored less than 35 points twice. And one of them was Notre Dame two weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, just everyone, let's comment. I've already seen – I don't know, like, who the seniors are for Notre Dame. I think that they have actually a lot of offensive linemen that are seniors. But the preseason rankings came out for next year, and people are ranking Notre Dame in, like, 15, 12, just completely disrespecting them. And I'm like, they better be losing half their roster because if it's just based on what happened this past year – yeah, that's just completely I think they are I think they are losing a lot. I think the quarterback is a senior, offensive linemen are seniors. The one uh linebacker who's the number nine prospect right now in the draft um is foregoing his senior year. Um so I think they're they are losing quite a few players, but I don't know who all is coming in behind them. Mm-hmm. But yeah, just Notre Dame. It, it, it took Ohio State getting annihilated for me to say, okay, everyone can kind of shut up about Alabama and Notre Dame and whatnot. Notre Dame absolutely belonged in there. They might not have not have uh, played well, but honestly, it was the closest game in the playoffs. And that's kind of sad for college football, for yeah. you to have a playoff and the closest game is a 17-point game. Alabama's just so much better than everybody else. Oh my god, it's ridiculous. Um, I do think in a in a in a twist, I do think that Clemson would have put up a better fight than Ohio State did. I think so. I think Clemson. I think they suffered a little bit from what the Steelers have been suffering through in terms of not knowing when to shut their mouth, like. The, they disrespected Ohio State, which is a very good team. They disrespected them so bad that Ohio State had everything that they needed. And honestly, Ohio State completely focused on Clemson. They didn't – I'm not saying they didn't care about winning a national championship, but, boy, if they beat Clemson, they would be feeling pretty good about themselves that year. <laughs> I mean, that, that's what their goal was this year, was to beat Clemson. Mm-hmm. And so I think that game was more highly motivated of let's beat Clemson as opposed to let's get the title. Okay, Ben. So looking ahead to this weekend, we got the divisional playoffs. Uh, I'll give you the updated lines here in a second. But um, for the first game – On the board, Saturday afternoon, we have the Rams going to the Packers. What do you foresee in this game? Currently, the uh, Packers are – the lines moved down. They are a a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Um, I like – I'm not – I think the line – this is one of those games where the line is pretty spot on. Um, I'd probably lean towards Green Bay, especially at six and a half. Um, I'm just I I think the Rams defense can make it interesting for a little bit. 
But ultimately, I think Green Bay will probably take over. And so, I don't know. Like, I'm just I'm pulling up the weather right now. It looks like it's going to be around – what time is the game, you say? Probably about Four, – 4.30. So, about 4.30. It's going to be about 30, 31 degrees. Then it's only going to get colder from there. So, I don't know. I, I'd probably take Green Bay at six and a half. Um, I'm not going to bet against Aaron Rodgers. I did feel like seven was a lot to be given the Rams, though. Um, I feel like it's closer than that as far as the, the, the betting standpoint. Uh, if the Rams – you know, I, I was thinking more like three or four would be where the line was at. So, I feel like seven's a lot. Um, to be given the Rams, but I'm not going to bet against Aaron Rodgers. So that's for that. <laughs> yeah. My problem is, is yes, the Rams did put up 30, but a lot of that was defensive help by the lack of offense the Seahawks have. You're yeah. not going to get that same lack of offense with the Packers. And not to mention, it's going to be outdoors in Green Bay. I mean, yeah. I, I, I kind of like the Packers, especially when you're giving me that half point to make it a seven point game. Yeah, no, I definitely like six and a half more than I did seven. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, the next game is Ravens and Bills. Uh, that's Saturday night football. Uh, the, that line has also come down. It is now a two-point game. Buffalo is favored. See, this is this is tough. I'm not sure on matchups. Um I'll probably go with Buffalo. I think Buffalo is probably – I don't know. This is one of those games where it's like I haven't seen these two teams play a lot and I haven't seen them play each other. So I don't know how they match up well against each other. Um, like with the Seahawks and Rams, I know I had the Seahawks last week, but now that I see like the Rams win, I'm like, well, I probably should have predicted the Rams to win because of the matchup. They just matched up well against Seattle. I don't know how the Rams – or not the Ravens and Bills match up against each other. Yeah, I uh, I, I kind of like Baltimore to pull off this upset. Um, I think the defense on Baltimore is good enough to cause problems for Buffalo, and I think – uh, Baltimore's offense is good enough, especially Buffalo's defense not being as good um, to be able to cause some problems with Buffalo. And I don't know. I I'm I just I'm not buying into Buffalo. I thought they'd beat Indianapolis after them playing Indianapolis the way they did. I'm I think I think a loss is waiting to happen, whether it be this round or next round against the Chiefs. Okay, that's it's fair. It's fair. Uh, don't get me wrong. I probably would not be surprised of a Baltimore upset win, um, but I'd probably go with Buffalo just because. And not to mention, it's hard to go on the road back to back weeks and win. Yeah, that's and, true. and Buffalo is going to have fans there. I mean, they had fans last week, so I would assume they had fans. It looks like they actually had a decent number of fans, to be honest. Um, yeah. Well, COVID so, goes away when the playoffs come. So, of course. Can you imagine how many – like, I think the Colts probably allowed probably the most fans of yeah. any stadium. And so, I guarantee they probably would have extended that if they got yeah. the host the game. Yeah. Sheesh. Um, 
I forgot to mention the this was the first Bills playoff win since '95. It was the first Browns playoff win since '95. It was the first road playoff win for the Browns since '69. It was the Bucks' first playoff win since they won the Super Bowl back in the early 2000s. So a lot of teams ending some droughts this year. Um, Sunday afternoon at 3, we have the Chiefs and the Browns. And right now the line is at 10. Not going to lie, that's a lot. That is a lot of points. And uh, as I was thinking, if the Chiefs can come out and play their best game, then they absolutely can cover it. However, if I'm getting the Chiefs, the same Chiefs games I've seen over the last six months, I, I got to go. Six months? Or not, six weeks. Six weeks. Sorry, I misspoke there. Six weeks. I got to go with Cleveland to at least cover because the Chiefs haven't won a game by more than two possessions in the last six weeks, and they are, haven't covered the spread in the last six weeks either. So if it's at 10, I got to take Cleveland. Okay. I uh, My brain tells me Cleveland. My heart tells me Cleveland. So – I like you. Gut say. <laughs> I my I like <laughs> I like you take Cleveland would take Cleveland. I mean that's a lot of points. Um that's a lot of points. My gut says Andy Reid off a of bye, Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey in Kansas City. Second road game for Cleveland, to your point, off a big emotional win without their head coach against the Pittsburgh Steelers, who have tortured them for years. I'm taking Kansas City to roll Cleveland. Just absolutely demolish. Almost, they are going to make them wish they never made the playoffs. I will say that is a huge advantage for Kansas City is getting a buy and then playing at home. Like, you know, I think that's the thing Cleveland is going to have to overcome. However, I do believe that Cleveland is getting a few of their guys back from COVID, and not to mention they'll be getting their coach back from COVID, I believe. No, they are getting – I don't care. Andy Reid off a of bye, Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, big emotional win for Cleveland, second game on the road. Nah, it's over. I'm sorry, Cleveland. I've defended you as long as I can. Can you believe with all the you defending Cleveland and me kind of still getting on Baker that I would take Baker to cover the spread against the Chiefs while you're taking Kansas City to roll them? Well, you know what? Hypocrites we are, folks. This is this is this is this is a case of. I've defended Cleveland, but they haven't had to play Kansas City when I've had to defend them. <laughs> I'm a bigger I'm a bigger proponent of Kansas City than I am of Cleveland. Okay, but I guess we'll just have to find out on that one. It, it's honestly, 
it's a game that could easily turn into a blow up. It's probably one of the more exciting games I'm ready to watch on Sunday. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> um, and then, and then the prime time Sunday night football, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers going down to new Orleans and seeing if they can get their first win of the season against them and knock them out of the playoffs in true heartbreaking fashion, which I do think could be likely because Tom Brady usually gets some bogus calls going his way. What do you, the line right now, the saints are favored by three. It quick. I mean, it, it opened to three and a half and it shot to three. So I'm anticipating maybe, maybe that line moving a little more towards Tampa. Um, but what do you make of this matchup, Ben? This, this, this game. Well, maybe Ravens Bills. There are some good games here. Yeah, I'm, I'm, this is probably the most fun I've had in the postseason in a long time. I'm not gonna lie about that. Maybe it's a recency bias, but boy, this I'm is, gonna this, I'm gonna stick with the most fun I had was when the Colts won the Super Bowl, but. Yeah. See what sucks about that for me. <laughs> what sucks about that season for me is I didn't start getting into football until 2007. So oh, sir. Oh, I see. You're the fair weather fan. We won the Super Bowl, and then you got interested. Well, and then we lost to the Chargers, and then I jumped on the Giants bandwagon for a while. Oh my gosh, Ben! And then no. what's okay? That's a, that's a story for another time. But we just lost all credibility, Ben. Well, I, again, I, my road to absolutely loving football is definitely not not without its uh, holes. We don't. In it. I don't even want to, but I will. You had a 49er phase that I never understood. You want to know why, Alex Smith? <laughs> well, okay, no, I had the 49er phase, and Alex Smith was a part of that phase, and then I kind of followed uh, Alex Smith. But regardless, okay, so. Going back to the Saints and Buccaneers, we got way off track there. <laughs> I got to go with the Saints. I think I think the Saints defense did a really good job against uh, Chicago. Now, granted, I know it's Mitch Trubisky and whatnot, but even the Bears made the Packers game a little bit interesting for at least the first half. That game was interesting for at least the first half. In the Saints game, it, it the Bears couldn't really get anything going outside of that drop in the end zone, which is such a Bears thing to do. But the Bears had nothing going on offense. And honestly, the Saints should have had that fourth touchdown. Um, There's a question. Will Drew Brees be 100% since Sean Payton decided to try and run up the score and have him do a QB sneak with broken ribs? What an idiot. Yeah. Well, I had a bet for Drew Brees to throw three touchdown passes. So, you know, I was kind of, you know, angry but, that they didn't try to throw for that it. Would, that's the second time. Where Where is Sean Payton's head? He got Michael – he already he already paid the price. He got Michael Thomas hurt the first game of the season trying to run up the score. And then he, and then Drew Brees comes back with all his ribs broken. He says, "Hey, I know we're up twenty-one to three. Go ahead and sneak it." I don't know, but give me 
give me the Saints because honestly, I think they have Tampa figured out. Like, I think they went head to head. Saints came out on top the second time they played. They went to Tampa. A lot of people loved Tampa in that second round, and they were just dumbfounded when they saw what happened in that game. I think, I think the Saints have Tampa figured out, and I think we're going to see it. In, maybe not the exact same blowout, but I think we're going to see New Orleans come out there and show that they're still the better team. I think Tampa is a different team than what the Saints have played. I think Tampa's offense has really come together. Antonio Brown has really come along in the last few weeks. Um, that being said, I think this is a good game. I think it's a close game. I refuse to pick Tampa Bay. I I nothing in my nothing in my being wants any part of me rooting for Tampa Bay. So I'm gonna take New Orleans. Um I think it's a close game. I think it's a good game. I'm I'm fairly confident New Orleans pulls this out. But no part just know that no part of me will pick Tampa Bay. And so that's a big part of this decision making process. Um so, Ben, here's the bottom line. You pick three favorites, and I did as well, which probably means we're off somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> but and, I'd be, that, and I'd be willing to say I might be off on Kansas City, but I'm fairly confident that's going to be a non-game. Yep. I mean – that's that's the joys of betting, okay? That's just the joys of betting. The jo- think- no, the, the joys aren't losing. That's not correct. <laughs> I mean, hey, it, it's all about give and take there, but it's all about give and take. You can't be right 100% of the hey, time, okay? Hey, you're going to get got. You just got to yeah. get yours more than you get got, though. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, Colin Coward said it best, uh, you know, Gambling in sports just makes it these unwatchable matchups that much more exciting. <laughs> That's true. That is true. I the it, it, it makes you more invested. You enjoy it more because you're more. You have you know something to root for. Um, for I mean, like I watched the national championship game, and I guarantee I would not have had the boost not had come. And granted, the very nice boost that hit uh, for Alabama to win and for the over to be at least 69, which is nice. But um, the that game was infinitely more entertaining to watch, shooting for a couple goals there. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but man, I you know I I've kind of it's the same thing here basketball and football are the opposite for me here because for me, regular season football is a lot easier to bet on than playoff football. I feel like playoff football is a lot more unpredictable. Mm -hmm. In contrast, regular season NBA, I'd have to pay more attention to it. I'm sure it gets more predictable, but playoff NBA is more predictable for me than a regular season NBA is. Yeah, you were just like pick the Lakers all day long. <laughs> well, yeah, and then they win, and I win. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's what makes the NBA so unwatchable for me, especially this year. Why? It, it, everyone knows the Lakers are going to win. Like, just... oh Ben, 
You, you're just it, jealous. It, it is. What's the point? It, it, what's the point? Unless the Colts are going to win the Super Bowl every year, I do not want a single NFL team winning the Super Bowl every year. Like, unless it's my team, I don't want a single team to win every single year. The Lakers, just okay, okay, hold on a minute. The Lakers have won one year, and they might win another. And another, and another. They could win four in a row. Don't lie. You know they could win four in a row easy. I am I am not saying that at all, but you're just mad because that means LeBron will end up with more rings than Jordan. I don't give a rat's patooey about Jordan. <laughs> I just don't well, like thank LeBron. Thank you. Ne- neither do I. That's what I'm trying to tell people. It's LeBron, man. I, I just don't like LeBron. I mean, that's literally all it is. Oh my goodness. Okay. Well, we need to wrap this up. Hey, we let's tease in the future. So after this week, we are really getting down to it with the NFL. So there's, there's uh there's four games this weekend, and then we're going to have two more the next week. Going to be a lot less uh, to talk about as far as that goes and NBA regular season. I mean, NBA news probably isn't going to really pick up until about, I'd guess, March. I mean, they're going to have the all-star break in February. Well, maybe they might've adjusted that. Um, They might not have an all-star break. Now that I think about it, I don't know. The The NBA news I'm guessing won't ramp up until around March when we're starting to see what teams are going to be making the playoffs and stuff. So basically here's, here's what we're thinking is that we will, in each episode, we will pick a division in the NFL to start laying out what the offseason is going to look like for them. And uh, kind of have a year in review. Yeah, um, yeah. Just because not all the records are the same. You know, a team that won eight games, that might be a good year for them as opposed to another team that won eight games. It's a huge disappointment too, so. Yeah, so so the year in review for the team and what they need to do in the offseason. Um, let's say next week, let's start with the NFC North. Um just because most of them are out of it, except the Packers, and we'll still be waiting. I mean, assuming that we're both right, the Packers will still be playing. Um, we'll still be waiting. I was going to say, wouldn't you want to start with, like, the East or something like that where everyone's already eliminated? I mean, we can. That's what I was just thinking. If you were going based on teams that are already eliminated, the NFC East is already out. So I just I, – I just – the Packers are essentially eliminated from the off season because they never do anything. <laughs> That's fair. That is fair. So I'm, I'm just saying whatever they're going to end result is a successful year and they won't change anything. And then they'll do whatever next year because of Aaron Rodgers. All right, fine. And, and, and NFC uh, North it is next week. <laughs> well, not, no, maybe not next no. week, but. Yeah. I mean, we, we can start with the East. Go ahead and just do it officially so that all teams that are out are, are, out or or done um we could do well let's start with the afc south because all those teams are out and that includes the colts okay so so next week (laughs) yeah so the next week we'll start with the afc south um in the offseason we'll review the divisional games look forward to the conference games uh, and we'll see what else happens. College football's over, so we won't have any of that news, probably. Um, we'll see what else happens. Yeah, 
I'd probably do a lot better job of keeping up with NBA regular season if like Fox Regional Sports came back. For oh crying my out loud. goodness, Ben's got a beef with the TV companies. Oh my gosh, <laughs> Fox Regional Sports, and they're ticking me off right now. I can't watch the Reds. I can't watch the Pacers. You ever place a bet on an NBA team where all you can do is watch the scoreboard go back and forth? It is yes, literally Yes, Ben, I have. It is torture. It is torturous. <laughs> it's the same way with the NFL, though, too. Yeah, I just... But, uh, but it's the same way with the NFL, but my picks would be so limited if I only picked them based on can I watch the games. <laughs> But that will wrap it up here. You can check the link in the show notes. It's got everything you're looking for. It's got the social media links. It's got the everywhere the show is broadcasting. You can send us an email through there. Tell your friends. Be a friend. Tell a friend. You know, you know where the right opinions are. Uh, check out the link. It takes you to everything there. You can send us an email at runoftheScorepod at gmail.com. Yes, Ben? All right, and also shout-out to Andre Stone, one of my good friends, for giving us suggestions for the show. Oh, awesome. That's what we want, folks. If you're listening in, tell us what you want us to talk about. And that's all I got. Okay. Well, that is all we have for this episode of Run Up the Score. We will be back next week. And until then, Ben is wrong, and I am right. Mm-hmm. We'll find out. Uh, well, uh, not until then, I should say. D- until yeah. then and forevermore. 